What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Buffalo Blitz right here on the Built in Buffalo Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter network, as well as the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcast. Man, oh man, we have a great show, a great episode for you guys. We have so much to cover. I know we usually go to nine. Lance and I talked about uh, before the show off air. We are welcome to go in past nine. We want to touch on everything because we go to midnight. We'll go to midnight. We'll go eight to twelve. That'd be great. We want <laughs> we want to talk about obviously the Dolphins game in depth. Obviously, we know how important the game was, but we also want to get you guys ready for some playoff football. It's not like any other preview episode because we have playoff football coming up on this week hopefully my weather behind me doesn't come boom and my power goes out well then you'll just see lance but before we do that lance didn't say hi how you doing man what's going on how you doing out there everyone uh great win for the buffalo bills obviously this weekend uh setting up uh, at least a couple of home games we hope first up against pittsburgh and then uh we'll get into that in a little bit and a potential showdown with Patrick Mahomes here in Orchard Park. That's uh, something we haven't uh, seen yet as fans. When he came, there were no fans in the stadium, so that's pretty cool to be on the horizon. But first, let's get into what happened this past Sunday against Miami. Before we do that, we got to know who we're sponsored by. We got to pay the bills, Lance. We got to pay the bills. I can do it. I got it. Obviously, the Buffalo Blitz is sponsored by Under... Dog Fantasy, this is the perfect time to get on Underdog Fantasy. It is playoff time, the most important time in the National Football League. Make sure you guys use promo code BLITZ for a 100% deposit match, starting from $10 up to 100 They have a great, great game. Lance uses it more than I, but I use it as well. A little pick them. You can obviously use it for all sports. You can put as at least as two picks to five picks. It's an awesome feature. So make sure you get on Underdog Fantasy and make sure you guys use Promo code blitz. Okay, so we know we have comments section. We'll have comments. If you guys want to uh, drop a comment, if you're on YouTube, if you're on Facebook, we'll try to get to this as much as possible. Super chats on YouTube is open if you want your comment to come up right away. I see someone already asking about injury. Lance and I kind of joked about this off air. The Bills did not practice today, right? So we have no injury update for you. We know as much as you do. We have zero injury update. Stay tuned for Sean McDermott's press conference tomorrow morning. Uh, Bill Buffalo yeah. Twitter account will have it out. All that. We'll say uh, Razul Douglas uh, looks like he may have been able to play through yes, an injury. So Razul Douglas maybe um, trending, you know, gets a week of treatment and, and can play. Goodbye Sunday. Yeah. Um, Gabe Davis. I honestly would expect him to yes. probably miss this game, I but I have no idea exactly uh, what his status will be until we hear from the team. Um, Ty Johnson being in the concussion protocol is obviously just that, and nobody's going to know until Out of the, uh, the protocol well. works out. And then um, who else was uh, one guy? I Howard, was, uh, Terrell Dotson. Dotson. Okay. I have no idea. I have no comment, opinion, or otherwise on Dotson. No, not yeah. sure. Yeah. So wait for tomorrow. Obviously, the week will progress, and we'll see how these guys progress. But I did see Russell Douglas with his exchange with some reporters post game talking about how. Dane said kind of like, I got you. You're not 100%, but he could have played if, I guess, Dane went down or something or it got drastic. Mm-hmm. But we'll see, obviously, how that matters. And we know, obviously, how important uh, 
Mr. Douglas is. Okay, so we have a lot to get to in this game. The Bills win 21-14. to They move to 11-6. and The Dolphins fall to 11-6. and The Bills win the division. Yes, they were locked up a playoff spot because of a Tennessee Titans win earlier in the day, but the Bills wanted the two seed like we've talked about for a couple weeks here, or they wanted the division. They get the division. Miami falls to 11-6. and Falls out of a home playoff game and falls to the six seed. So, Lance, I know we're going to talk about the defense in a bit. We're going to talk about some of the offense. We're going to talk about Deontay Hardy because how can you not talk about Deontay Hardy? But just your overall big picture thoughts on this game. Yeah, man. Just I think the name of the game was just people stepping up, right? And we had a lot of people that are um, not people that we've had had big not people that have had big impacts on games throughout the season yet, but today, um, this game on Sunday, um, guys like Trent Sherfield and obviously Deontay Hardy making just enormous impacts, um, both scoring touchdowns, Dawson Knox, who hasn't been super, um, impactful this year, missing some time and different things. And we've seen him make impacts before. He also obviously scores a touchdown. Khalil Shakir, has 105 yards receiving on six re- six receptions. And then Dalton Kincaid, the rookie tight end, uh, comes in and has a great game with seven and 84 yards. Um, the, the rate when these guys were targeted, um, Shakir, Kincaid, Sherfield, and Knox was fantastic. Sherfield has been abysmal when targeted um, in recent games and was 129.2 uh, rating when targeted, according to PFF. So um, fantastic that these guys were able to get into the offense and in Deontay Hardy's case on special teams and hit a big one. So, uh, and then, yeah, someone mentioned in the comments, right? Balen Spector stepping yeah. up. Guys is coming in, filling Dane Jackson played a big, big role. And he, we've seen him play well throughout um, guys like Taylor Rapp, who, you know, he's had a bigger role recently, but not um, obviously listed as like a starter. So these guys all coming in and just, keeping the wheels on for the Buffalo Bills, in fact, uh, leading them in a way to a AFC East division championship clinching win against the Dolphins. Yeah, Lance, I think you hit the nail on the head there, right? There was a, obviously it was a great win. Obviously it was a nail biting win. It was almost basically a tale of two halves more, especially for the offense, but even the defense as well, but you nailed it, right? Like there were guys and bail inspector as well, guys that were, that stepped up that were either maybe acquisitions in the off season, former draft picks guys that maybe when you and I were looking at the keys to the game, right? Lance, we weren't, Oh, we weren't singling this guy out or we weren't yeah. talking about this guy, right? Like I don't think Trent Sherfield had a great game, but he made a great catch. If you're going to make a great catch, I don't care what else you do. Made a great catch after a ball that was sitting in there, which felt like it was sitting in there for about an hour and a half, but obviously mm-hmm. it comes down and Trent Sherfield does a great job and he's been an absolute kind of liability kind of on the outside this year. Um, Taylor Rapp who's played, who played more because of Dotson goes down. Right. And they wanted to run three safeties because one, we've seen it when either with Dotson being healthy, but we're using Poyer kind of as that big or undersized linebacker, big safety kind of position. But we saw Taylor Rapp in because Dotson went down and they didn't fully trust Spectre or they didn't fully trust Doran Williams. And then obviously Taylor Rapp makes the one of the plays of the game. And then you also have Deontay Hardy. We'll get to Deontay Hardy in a sec. Obviously a great punt return. Look, it was it was an exciting game. Obviously, if you were a neutral fan, if you were just a fan of 
I don't know, the, the LA Rams. Yeah, if you're an LA Rams fan, I thought you had you probably enjoyed the game, right? Bills Dolphins. As a Bills fan and someone that obviously covers the team, watches the team a ton, it was stressful because it was one of those games where they were playing better, right? They were dominating the game from basically every facet outside the turnover battle in the beginning of the game, and they were making mistakes, and it, it became frustrating. But guys stepped up. Guys made plays. Dawson Knox made a play. Khalil Shakir made a play. Diggs made a play. Kincaid probably might have had his best game as a career. Allen shows up in the second half after that fumble. Right? Like Guys made plays when they were called upon and when they asked to make plays. And in order to go into a road environment, to win the division to against a really good team, you needed guys to step up, and they did. Christian Benford makes a play earlier in the game. right? Like I thought it was an overall collective effort. And one, I'm proud of the team because – it was not going their way early on. You can, the turnovers were not going their way. They were moving the ball down the field. Allen has a bad turnover. Then has another turnover, which I don't think was the worst idea. I think it was better than an incompletion, but I was more annoyed about the play. And then obviously, Lance, we had to end the drive of the first half when Ty Johnson doesn't get in the end zone and Allen throws it short. And we can debate whether or not he should have thrown the ball at all obviously in that situation, but it was one of those games where it just wasn't going there well. And the bills battled, right? Like it's shows the Testament of this team. It shows the coaching staff and it shows where this team is. When you and I were talking about this team being six and six, about a month and a half ago, right? Where this team has come from being six and six to 11 and six, they've grown as a team. It's exciting to see. And obviously everything is, is right in front of them for their, for their taking. Yeah, I texted my uncle. It's like this team just won't die, and so he's referencing that here. Um, they just keep battling, and and it's it's so weird because the first four possessions they get in the red, they just move the ball right, and it's yeah. interception, intercept. That the the second interception definitely. Um, and we could talk about this a little bit more later, but you know, it's on. I I heard you know heard a good point um, from Ross Tucker today on WGR too. It's on fourth down. Um, really ended up gaining field position for the Bills yeah, to, to throw that. So it's not the worst thing in the world. So then they find the third drive, they finally punch it in the end zone. Like, okay, um, Miami comes back and answers though. And you get down there at the end of the half and, and come up short. And then the, the second half starts with just more lethargy and, and inconsistencies and inability to execute in situations. And now after that fumble, you go down, uh, you're down 14-7, and you fumble that ball in, in the, the third quarter. Half. And um, yeah. was it fourth quarter by then? No, it's still quarter. third. Yeah, third right, ended right towards the end of the third quarter, right? And um, and then from there, the the game just flipped on its head. Um, the defense coming up with a stop, and then um, that punt return, as we said, just basically mm-hmm. it, it really just flipped the game. It completely took the Dolphins kind of by surprise and, and and really broke their spirits a little bit. And the bills, um, you know, used all that energy um, to ride, kind of ride the wave and, and get the win. Yeah. Let's talk about it, Lance, the punt return, obviously. And you mentioned the fumble, the fumble happened with 17 seconds left in the third quarter uh, to end the third quarter. So Deontay Hardy makes the play of the game, right? Like, could this be not the play of the game? A hundred percent. There was Taylor Rapp making an yeah, interception. Okay. Sherfield made a great catch. Josh Allen's run for a first down. Might have been the play of the game. Shakur, Shakir's catch. Uh, Dawson Ox, Lance, show it before I just keep talking. Yeah, great. Uh, give me give me a little play. Great play. play. I, you know, the guy slips and unfortunately goes down, but Deontay yeah. Hardy just splits a seam there. And, um, 
you know, just one, that's how important one guy in out of position is in the NFL and, and on every play. And we'll watch it again here. Um, Puna Ford, yeah. obviously, if you watch him in the middle, kind of gets the punter um, at the end here and make sure he can't make a play. But um, just Deontay Hardy backing up, backing up, great vision, makes one guy miss there, and then boom. And and just that one guy going down and getting himself out of position just makes the the whole play. So um, I'm sorry, it doesn't make the whole play. Deontay Hardy did did make the first guy miss, and that's really important when you get to you know big time plays like this. Is you you have to have um, that first kind of making that guy miss, and from there things can break down easily for the the uh, coverage team. Yeah, and they needed it, right? They needed a spark, right? Like the def- after the fumble, the defense got a stop. Um, after the fumble, yeah, the defense got a stop, so they kept him in the game 14-7, but it, I feel like the whole team as a whole, more importantly, the offense kind of, they needed a spark, right? Like they needed a spark. And we've, you and I have talked about how valuable special teams is. And special teams has been kind of not a strong suit of the Bills this year. And Deontay Hardy has not been a quote-unquote impact player this year. Right? They brought him in. And I know people complain about the contract, the contract you can get out of after this year. So that's not the problem, but they brought him in to be an impact player, right? Lance, like they brought him in to make plays on offense, maybe the replacement of Isaiah McKenzie and outside of a great catch he did against the chiefs a couple weeks ago, he hasn't really been a factor. And I know this was an offense, but he makes the play of the game, maybe the play of the season. And he houses one and everything was flipped. Like, everything was flipped for the bills. And this wasn't like early in the game. This was right in the beginning of the fourth quarter. And this team, this team, like this team, like makes you want to like stop rooting for them half the times. And then I was texting my friend and then they suck you back in. Oh yeah. And this was like, okay, I'm back in. I was texting one of my friends and I'm like, ah, I can't do this anymore. Like this is just every week. This team does this to you. And then Deontay Hardy has the longest punt return in Buffalo bills history. And you're like, okay, my hopes are up again because that's what do. And then the Bills get a stop, right? They get a stop. They get the ball back and they score a touchdown. And then history is history. So Deontay Hardy makes the play of the game. And you're right. Yeah, like, you mentioned wh- uh, this other big play um, when we were off air and just talking about how big of a, a deal um, guys like Khalil Shakir have done. Oh, yeah. um, you know, this on that right before the Dawson Knox touchdown, we have this play, um, which is really good design, I think, um, really good design. And, you know, Diggs is calling for the ball there, you see, but, um, you know, Sherfield kind of with the pick there and Khalil Shakir gets wide open and Allen doesn't miss him. No, yeah, I, I love this play. And we're going to get to the offense after we talk about the defense, but I know I thought this play was, I thought it was, no, it was great. And Shakir stepped up. But before we get to the offense, Lance, we, we got to talk about the defense because I thought the defense – and you and I have, I think you have mentioned it a ton, especially in our built in Buffalo chat, how banged up the defense is, right? We know how banged up the defense is. And they are healthier than they were at one point in the year, but they're still missing their quote unquote best player in Matt Milano. They're missing one of their elite corners in Trey White. Obviously, Daquan Jones back helps immensely with the run game. It opens up Ed Oliver. But this defense also dealt with injuries in the game. Terrell Dodson, uh, Russell Douglas, who's been in a great acquisition. And I thought outside of two drives that they, they gave up two touchdowns, the defense was great. Like if you told me, Lance, we were holding Miami to 14 points on last week's show, I would have been like, we're going to win. And wow. we did win. And I thought yeah. 
as a whole, the defense was great in the second half. Obviously, Christian Bedford had a really early pick. Taylor Rapp has a pick. Dane Jackson makes a great play on Tyree Kill, uh, batting a ball down. Micah Hyde on the before the Dolphins' potential uh, game tying drive, the drive before that, Micah Hyde, Tyreek Hill has a first down, and Micah Hyde kind of comes from behind him as Hill's kind of in a crouch on his knees, and Hill and Micah Hyde just punches it out and makes a play, right? Like stuff like that wins and loses games for you. And I thought the Bills' defense and played great as a whole, and they and they played like a Super Bowl winning defense. Like if the yeah, defense played like this. Who- the Bills can win a Super Bowl with this level of defense, which is I didn't think I would say this about a month ago. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Taylor Rapp, you mentioned that's the other guy we didn't mention when we were talking about injuries, um, ending the game with an interception, but I think um, it's did go down, down there, and I'm not sure if it just went knocked out. Or I, not, that's what I thought. We'll I have thought to find out. I'm hoping that's just kind of that you know yeah. he got his win knocked out, and I agree, and he'll be good. Um, but you know, coverage grade of ninety two point one for Rapp. Benford had a ninety point nine coverage grade. Um, just can, can, can't can say enough Christian Benford? about Benford, man. And just like what? what a draft pick. And um, as much as everyone will uh, hate uh, the Kyir Elam first round pick potentially, um, which I'm still holding out hope. Um, you know, did deal with injury throughout this year, so maybe uh, we'll we'll see what he can well, become. But to be honest, um, Trey it, White might not be on the team next year, and Rasul Douglas is a exactly. free agent, so you might not might need Kyir Elam. But I think he's Rasul is under contract one more year. But is yeah, he one more year? Hefty, yeah. Uh, it's going to be tricky with the salary cap. That's, so that's, yeah, yeah we'll, right. um, we'll see how that goes, but, but Benford, man, just incredible game, not only in coverage, but also in tackling. So in tackling Teron Johnson, 84.4 uh, PFF grade, Jordan mm-hmm. Poyer, 83.4. And then you have Rap, Spectre, Dodson, Dane Jackson, and Christian Bedford all within 0.5 of each other between mm-hmm. 76.7 and 77.2, all around 77 grade, which is a good grade from PFF. Um, and it just speaks to these guys, just heart. And that that's what really helps you win games when you're tackling well. This defense um, is going to be hard to score against when they're because their premise is to keep you in front of them and then make the tackle. So what happens is when guys take bad angles on – uh, plays and and miss those tackles. That's when this defense really has trouble. But for now, um, and in this game, they did a really great job uh, of bringing the ball carriers down and and not letting um, too many get loose for big plays. And Lance, you and I, we watched a lot of Miami. Like we know the Miami Dolphins, right? We've seen them over the years. We've seen them with Tua, with Tyreek Hill, with Jalen Waddle when he's healthy, right? Miami beats you on getting the ball out fast, so you don't sack Tua. We had no sacks in the game. But that's one not really how. Sack by Dotson, it says. There's one sack by Dotson. My ledger. Oh, he sacked a, sh- a Shane, Devin a Shane. Remember when they threw? Oh, yeah, they, yeah. they counted that. I can't count that. That's a sack. Yeah, so that's not. Yeah. That's a, basically that's a tackle for loss. It's a great play, yeah. but it's not a sack. But the Dolphins get the ball out fast, right? Like Lance, like that's how they do it. Tua gets the ball out fast. We see, we know when he sits in the pocket, he makes turnovers. They're used. Mm-hmm. They get the ball out fast. They let their speedsters kind of do their thing, make plays. So you have to be able to tackle when you play the Miami Dolphins. And I'm looking at all the tackle grades, right? Like Christian Benford, everyone's a 75 plus up from one to seven, right? Like in their Mm -hmm. top seven players for tackling grades. Exactly. Teron Johnson just makes plays, man. Like he just makes 
plays. Yeah. And I, he doesn't get enough credit. He is starting to get more credit on the national broadcast. You can kind of tell people are starting yeah, to talk I think about we him more. Kind of tooted his horn a lot this offseason, mm-hmm. being the best nickel. Um, he's so good, dude. And, and, you know, strong. He is so uh, good. Because slot corner in the league. And I think he's just proving it. He had some up and down weeks here, but I mean, that's the whole season, right? I mean, I think. You know, the, the Bills, Bills as a whole season. had an up and the defense um, <laughs> probably played a large part in that. I mean, if you look at, you know, the shock probably of losing guys um, mm-hmm. like Milano and Trey White. I want to pull up this thing question here from our guy, Matt Holman. Do you think the defense is better right now than it was week four with Trey and Milano? Can't say that. Can't say yes, because Milano is just so good um, that I just can't believe that it would be better without mm-hmm. him. Um, but man, they've played. Uh, really well and if you mm-hmm. remember during weeks uh, two three and four then even week one I mean the Jets didn't do much on offense but I think that um, you know this defense would be better at least with Milano back I do like having Razul Douglas and Christian Benford maybe um, more than Benford and White but I would have loved I, to have Douglas and White too but uh, you know if White's yeah. here then maybe we don't ever get Douglas so or you know is yeah. what it is yeah I look uh, that's, a, that's a Matt. That's a great question, Matt. Uh, you know, you obviously, I think you probably you're you're missing more Matt Milano at this point than you are Trey White because how good Rasul Douglas is playing if he's healthy, especially with how, Dotson going down too. Yes, now, so now you're on Specter, and... especially. But yeah, Matt Milano and Terrell Bernard would be is going to be gross next year. And when I mean gross, it's young person lingo. I mean good. Um, not to call people old, but I'm just people might come at me when I say gross. It's a good thing. Uh, but. Going back to Teron Johnson, Lance, Teron Johnson's impact goes beyond just like his play on the field. It also goes to the point of where he his play on the field and his tackling ability lets you play two linebackers. A lot of teams don't have that ability. And for people that don't understand, when you play two linebackers, right, obviously you become more susceptible to running the ball or your rush defense weakens because you don't have a third linebacker, but you can guard the pass better. But because Teron Johnson can tackle so well in space and against running backs, you don't have to have a third linebacker, which usually would slow down your defense in the passing game. And you can kind of just run two linebackers. We've seen that over the years when Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano were the two linebackers with Teron Johnson. But Teron Johnson's ability to make tackles in open space, which is not a lot of Nichols corners kind of specialty, or they struggle at it, which we don't see a lot of talk. We don't talk a lot about like, Lance, we're not, you're not flipping on ESPN or you're not flipping on whatever, right? And people are just breaking down nickel corners, right? Like, that's just not a thing. And because Teron Johnson can make plays, it's, it's, it creates a, a whole different um, style of defense. I want to bring up, Lance, I'll get your thoughts on this. I, John Roberts coming in the comment section. Appreciate the comment, John. Uh, is Porter playing dime more? Yeah, it's more of a dime look, right? Because you have basically three safety yes. look um, there, but, uh, you know, they're just playing their nickel based defense at this point. And that's, you know, like you talked about, Tron Johnson lets them be that nickel base and not have to really put a third linebacker on the field because he can perform and tackle so well. And then Jordan Poyer comes in um, opposite side of Tron Johnson or, you know, in, in that second linebacker role uh, next to Terrell Bernard. And it is by all intents and purposes, a, a dime because there's one true linebacker on the field, but, uh, just it, they a lot. They mm-hmm. can play so many different ways out of that look that I think it just makes this defense even more incredible and even mm-hmm. harder to figure out because they can do so many different things and you can't just 
run the ball at it because they're effective at stopping that. Yeah, they've used dime more this season than I think we've ever seen in years past. And we talked about that, Lance, in the offseason. Will they use three safeties with the addition of Taylor Rapp? Because Taylor Rapp can start. I don't think Taylor well, Rapp's we, had a- We thought it was going to be opposite. Maybe we thought Hyde and Poyer um, up top and then Rapp more in the box, and it's been opposite that. Poyer. It's been Rapp up top with uh, Hyde, and then Poyer's in the box more. So it's very intriguing. Also- I love how McDermott um, uses the personnel on this defense, and that's what makes it so great. I also think Poyer's ability to coverage cover has dropped a little bit this year. Yeah, hundred percent. It's hundred yeah. percent dropped. Definitely so, over the top. So that's and like he out of the three out of the three guys, Poyer had the worst coverage grade uh, this past weekend. But I, I don't think Taylor Rapp has had a particularly great year. I don't think he had a particularly bad year. It's been kind of like your average third safety. But Taylor Rapp, hundred percent, could start on a national football team. I don't know a Super Bowl winning team, but he can hundred percent start on a team. But with, First year in the defense, though, I think as we get later in the season, I think he's definitely playing and progressing oh, more no. and more. I think he's playing oh, yeah, yeah. very well at this point. I think um, not uh, every game has he had uh, no, I, a no, career I game, but I think at this point, you know, you look like first year in the defense, definitely struggled, definitely struggled through some games. And maybe that's just matchups, too, but also learning and now, you know, having well, like, been in it for the rest the, for the entire year. I think you can more yeah. rely on him in certain situations and you know the matchups you can rely on him for. Mm. I, yeah, I wasn't coming at him. I was just saying well, I also I think yeah. Taylor Rapp's also probably never played in a three a dime walk like with three safeties. Like that's probably not a lot of teams use that. But I was right. I was getting to the point that in this game against Miami, they went to that more because Dodson went down with an injury and they wanted to go to more of a three safety look. Uh as well Lance what are your thoughts we, we'll say a little bit more on the defense then we'll get to the offense in a second because I think that's offense is a very valuable question here because I think there's a little bit more questions still with the offense what do you think of the D-line play the stop at the run the pass rush we we, we noted that they didn't have any sacks off Tua right. doesn't mean they didn't get after Tua they just didn't have any sacks on Tua yeah I think the defensive line you know was able to do enough to control the line of scrimmage I think again having um, Daquan Jones back is just such a huge, huge thing for this, um, you know, his ability in the run to kind of take blockers. Um, and if you try to duo block him, he's destroying it. So I think, you know, him and Ed Al were playing together, um, certainly grayed out well, if you're looking at BFF grades, but if you're just looking, you know, at the <laughs> games themselves, uh, just really being able to, to fit in, um, where they need to be and then make a tackle when, when they're attacked straight at them. Yeah, look, I thought the defense played okay. I mean, sorry, not the defense. The defense played great. I thought the defensive line played okay. I don't think it was one of their particular better games, but it, like, like we, we talked about, I don't think Miami allows you to get after their quarterback. Like, that's not how their philosophy works. And they're also very banged up on the O-line, so they want to get the ball out quick. I thought, Lance, I don't know if you agree with me, I thought the rush defense – got better as the game went on. I thought they started really yeah. slow. I mm-hmm. thought they really started slow. Sheen rushed for 5.6 yards per carry. He rushed a total of 56 yards, but he had one 25-yard run. Uh, Jeff Wilson r- ran for five yards per carry on nine carries for 45 yards. I thought the rush defense went from like a C grade all the way up to like a B plus grade. I thought they got better as the game went on, and you would like to see that. I, th- I don't think it was a, a particularly clean rush defense. Could we attain that two dots and going down a hundred percent. And I, I didn't think it was a particularly great game from a lot of the interior guys um, at points. 
Daquan Jones was the highest rush defensive grade at 73.5. Ed Oliver was a little suspect. Uh, Tim Settle didn't have a great game. Like I don't think they played great, but whatever they flipped, whatever Sean McDermott flipped, and I don't want to be the guy to say, oh, I know exactly what he flipped, but whatever he flipped from the first couple drives that I thought they were getting kind of gashed on the ground to kind of becoming more of a stout run defense was great. And with Yeah, I with think Pittsburgh, it was. I was just kidding, with Pittsburgh on the horizon and a team that likes to run the ball with Jalen Ward and Najee Harris, that becomes very important. Yeah. And I think early on, you hit the nail on the head. Early on, it's gonna be it's gonna be a little bit tough in this Pittsburgh game coming up, and we'll talk a little bit about that. You hit the nail on the head with that. Early on, the Dolphins did a lot of different misdirections, um, really attacked the exterior. Yeah, um, the you know, had had the ability to do that, um, but they also just didn't have the ability or the luxury to hand the ball off necessarily down the stretch, um, with the game being the way it is. So uh, I think that they're um, you know, the, the way they tried to get their receivers more involved as the game got later and later uh, helped the Bills, to, you know, stop. You know, it was more recognizable when they were going to run later in the game, so it was able to be more effective. And you saw even though on the first drive, though, that first, you know, A-chain kind of got loose, and then they went and tried to run the kind of same play flipped the other way, and Rousseau and company kind of blew that up. So it's all about kind of seeing it um, live for the first time and then making those adjustments and, and being able to understand how to, you know, make that those plays ineffective. Um, and I think that's where McDermott, you know, definitely earns um, high praise is just getting those adjustments in and and worked out to the defense and on the field. Yeah, Matt Holman's coming and doing a little uh, little work off camera for us. To kind of help us out, rush defense or the Dolphins had a hundred rush. I'll put this up on the screen. Actually, Dolphins had a hundred rush yards in the first half and eight in the second half. So, like Lance and I both just nobody. I think they got better as from point A to point B in the game. And I agree, like Lance, they well they got to a point even in the third quarter they didn't. Fourth quarter, once we tie the game, they get we get a stop and we just take the lead twenty one fourteen. They had to go away from their thing that was probably working their bet working the best for them. And out of the which was their run game. And I I think out of the two facets of the game for our defense, stopping the run and stopping the pass, we are better stopping the pass team. Like we know that. And that's just, that's also who we have been over the last couple of years uh, in the playoffs and not in the playoffs. We've been right. known for a better pass uh, coverage team. Than- well, so the second half they came out um, pass, 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 and then they had to punt. Um, so then they uh, come out after the fumble and, another pass, another pass, another pass. They run for six yards, another pass. So then they punted, right? So it's like then the, the next drive after punt mm-hmm. return is two runs and the Bills stuff up a chain for negative one and then two yards after that. So um, they did, you know, try to start that next drive out after the, the playing field was leveled and they kind of tried to get back into okay, we got to hand the ball off. We got to work this, and then the Bills did a great job. And then uh, on third down, passed on third nine, and weren't able to to get it. So uh, forced a punt, and that's when the Bills went down and and scored the fu- the final touchdown of the game, which um, kind of sealed the deal. So that was uh, a little bit interesting, though. Miami coming out so pass heavy after running for a hundred yards in the first half, and then having the lead. So as much as people want to question coaching and play calling from um, the Bills side of the ball, like, man, that uh, 
was pretty yeah. uh, questionable uh, stuff coming from McDaniel and the Dolphins down there, I think. I think sometimes coaches, we've seen this with the Bills. We've seen this with other teams, overthink. Like I think they overthink and just sometimes don't go back to your bread and butter. Uh, and Kevin, I was going to bring that, but Kevin Masari, who's a member of the Bill and Buffalo family, a proud member of the Bill and Buffalo family, he has his show on Wednesday nights. Uh, McDermott held the Dolphins to 17 points per game in the two games that the Bills faced them, which is great because Miami has probably the, one of the most explosive offenses in the National right. Football League, statistically, visually, everything put together. So McDermott has, seems like he has Mike McDaniel's number. He is four and one against Mike McDaniel. Did I do the quick math right? I believe so. Yep. Mike McDaniel was his first year last year. Yeah. So four and one. Okay. Yeah, they lost. Yeah, four and one against Mike McDaniel. And anytime you're four and one in five games against your division opponent, it usually bodes uh, well for you. Uh, Lance, let's talk about the Buffalo Bills offense that makes some makes you sometimes want to throw your phone into the TV or drop kick your TV because the Bills offense is fun. It's exciting. Big plays, big runs, great throws. It's also nauseating, makes you want to throw up, and also makes no sense sometimes. But that's the definition of the Bills offense. It's like me playing Madden. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes I make great plays. And sometimes I think I'm awesome and I just stand back there and throw it deep and half the time it goes to the other team. You don't want to be like me playing in Madden. I'm not a bad Madden player, but I'm also playing Madden as a 22-year-old. So it doesn't really matter. But, Lance, I posed the question, did the offense figure it out? But it's more of a broad topic here because we saw the errors and we saw the turnovers, but we also saw the Khalil Shakir, the Trent Shurfield touchdown. We also saw yeah. the pass to Khalil Shakir, the Josh Allen runs, the Diggs deep ball, the Diggs handful catches, Kincaid getting involved. We saw great things. We also saw... Not so great things. Like, did the offense figure out big picture offense in this game? What do you make of it? Yeah, I think they got to know, you know, where their strengths are at this point. It's so weird to see how well they ran the ball against the Cowboys and then how poorly they ran the ball um, in the last couple of games here, especially last night. Just couldn't get out of their own way. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the guards really not performing well in in the pass blocking uh, area. Uh, Cook averaging 2.8 per attempt and Fournette 2.9. Luckily, Josh Allen kind of assumes the lead rusher role and is able to, you know, scramble for uh, 60 some yards, I believe, was um, 67 yards. So, you know, was able to put up a 4.5 yard average on that. But I think overall that, you know, being able to run the ball has to improve. Um, And I don't think that that that's not figuring out. I just think, you know, they've got to execute those things better, but every drive, um, like, like I mentioned before, um, first four drives all, uh, got to the red zone. Um, first drive of the third quarter didn't, but then you go, um, with the drive where they fumbled, they were, they were obviously in Miami territory there. Um, and they score a touchdown the next one and turn it over on downs in Miami territory on on that next on the kind of the final offensive drive before um, you know they had to kneel it out. So the offense kind of moved the ball at will for the most part. They can't really complain um, about mm-hmm. how they attack the Dolphins. Obviously, 
were very, very hindered in production by the turnovers. Um, so if you want, we can talk a little bit about the turnovers. Yeah, but before we get it. into that, I mean, what do you have on the offense? I mean, what do you give us at least one good thing and one bad thing that you saw from the offense in this game? The One of the good things I thought I saw, I thought the ability to spread it around to other playmakers, Diggs, Kincaid, Shakir, like they all contributed, right? Like Shakir, six catches, Diggs, seven catches, Kincaid, seven catches, Sherfield with a touchdown, Dawson Knox with a touchdown, yep. James Cook should have had a touchdown, which yep. then led to the fumble, right? Like good thing was, I think, spreading it around and be able to move the ball down the field, right? Like Lance, it wasn't like we turned the ball over in our own side of the field. Like the Bills moved the ball, which is also why this game was so frustrating at some points because they were moving the ball. Obviously, the bad side was the red zone offense, right? Or the offense in plus territory. When I mean in plus territory, I mean in the Miami territory, right? And I thought they weren't executing great, right? Like the, the turnover to Gabe Davis when there was three points on the board where if it was Gabe Davis's fault, I don't know. Was it or Allen's fault? I, we, you and I are never going to know, right? And then the second time when they go for a fourth down and Allen throws the deep ball. Not great. You and I both agree it was better than an incompletion but I still would have liked to convert it and make a better play call. Then obviously you have the fumble, but before the fumble, you had James Cook drop a touchdown, right? Like I think they were making plays at some point, but then they hit a wall in the red zone where guys were just not making the plays. You know what also hindered hindered them, Lance? They were not, not the ability not to run the ball, the ability not to get positive net yards in the red zone or in the goal line. So I thought good. Passed the ball to a lot of guys, contributed to guys. Bad was just too many miscues where when they became too many miscues at very important times. Say this louder. Keem, you should have put this in all capital letters. I 100% agree with it. If the Bills do not beat themselves, if the Bills do not turn the ball over, they will beat anybody on any day Um, because this defense is playing so well that if the offense is able to put up points and the other opposing offense pretty much is left to throw the ball at a higher rate, it's going to bode well for the Bills' defense. Um, just to give my good and bad, I gave a couple things. Obviously, the, the guards in the pass blocking are just not getting it done right now. But, um, you know, you have a rookie there um, and then a guy who's in his first year playing uh, starter snaps completely so maybe figuring it out a little bit but but i definitely think um that that's an area a little bit of concern but uh missing digs deep uh one thing i don't think you mentioned there mm-hmm. uh, obviously yeah, right. um you know those kind of plays uh get a little bit frustrating i'm sure for for stefan but look he still had a good uh stat line overall with 85 80 our bodies come in different shapes and sizes so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too that's the beauty of noom they build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions medical issues and other personal needs so your plan works for you noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection you don't have to give up carbs or anything 
And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. 87 87 uh, you know on seven so yeah um nine different guys like you mentioned nine different guys targeted eight different guys with catches so um very good in mm-hmm. that regard and then obviously you know we see uh james cook who is such a dynamic weapon in both the run and pass game just not able to hold on to the ball consistently here as a receiver which is maybe expected but one of his talents coming out of georgia i thought was that oh he's going to be such a weapon for a team in the passing game and create such a mismatch and he does but man we gotta you know it's not going to get any warmer from here on out it's not going to get any easier to catch the ball from here on out so really yeah. ball security moving forward is really Super be nice and warm. important yeah i guess that'll be good so, that works um, no but i no lance i agree i think James, like it's not like <clears throat> go away from James Cook because I think this yeah. offense is at its best when you use James Cook, right? 100%, and yeah. I think they got to find a way to get the running game kind of go back into a groove. It doesn't have to be Dallas level running game, but I would take that because it worked. But it doesn't have to be. But it, but it has to be a positive four and a half five yards per carry for James Cook setting up Josh Allen in second and five and second and sixes because then it opens up the whole playbook for obviously the passing game, run the ball again, and Josh Allen's legs. But yeah. You're not going away from James Cook because his offense is at its best when James Cook is getting involved. He just needs to catch the freaking ball. Like, we never fumble if he catches the ball. Do we ever? I don't know what happens in the game. Stuff, NFL's weird. Momentum's weird. Do we get the same momentum as we did with the Deontay Hardy? I'm not going to question it because we won the freaking game. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, it's bad. But if you and I were sitting here and we were talking about the Bills getting ready for a wild, for a road game back in Miami, we would look back at the James Cook catch as being one of the bigger factors in Sunday night's uh, game. Lance, I want to talk about this, about the offense, and because I know we're already in the 40-minute uh, mark. If you guys don't follow us on Built and Buffalo Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter account, if you guys missed this episode, you can always rewind and rewatch. And if you prefer the audio platform, the Built and Buffalo Podcast Audio Network, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcast will come out tomorrow morning um cover zero blitz on josh allen they did that a lot when a cover zero blitz for people that don't know what a cover zero blitz is and i'm not trying to be like a a pompous ass here saying i know exactly what a cover zero blitz is but for someone that doesn't want to cover zero blitz is when the team when obviously for example the miami dolphins send more guys than the bills can block for that's part of it and everybody on the outside is on one-on-one coverage, right? So there's going to be most likely a free runner at Josh Allen for the most part. And one, a receiver has to get open. And two, Josh Allen has to make the right read. Usually it works, right? Usually the Bills are very good at it. Usually elite quarterbacks are very good at it because they, if the guy gets if a guy gets open, they'll find the guy no matter what. Young guys and inexperienced and quarterbacks that are very average struggle at that just because that's where they are in their career. I thought the Dolphins did a great job on the cover zero blitz. And it led to the first interception. I thought Allen thought Davis was going inside and Davis went outside. I yeah. it was it was another one of those things where I I I just 
I thought the Dolphins did a great job of cover cover zero blitzing. I thought they kind of went away from that in the yeah. fourth quarter. Where yeah, the Bills down drop back 45 times and um, defense generated pressure on 20 of those 45 dropbacks. Um, and it seemed like every, you know, crucial situation that we got in, Allen was, you know, running or uh, whatnot, at least early mm-hmm. on. And, and like you said, maybe the last drive, we are able to score that touchdown and maybe loosen them up a little bit from from doing that. Um, I thought they did a really good job of, of kind of hitting the guys on some shorter routes. Uh, Josh Allen did have a time to throw of 2.8 seconds, which um, I told Peter before, we got on the air here. I just look at that time to throw every game. It seems like Allen's at his best when it's somewhere between 2.7 and three. Um, that's the sweet spot. It seems like uh, for his time to throw, I really like uh, when he, you know, when I'm looking at our successful games, that's the general area of where he's at. Um, obviously outliers and, and different things, but I really think that, you know, being able to get the ball out, um, you know, did miss, Kincaid in the flat there, I thought, on on the one play that we could have got a first down, and then we ended up um, – that may have been the interception play, honestly. So, yeah, the second interception on that fourth down play when he just lofted it up, he did it on the left side. He had trips left, and he ends up rolling right where mm-hmm. there's not really anybody there. Everyone's kind of deeper down the field and um, could have thrown it quick to Kincaid on a flat route and, and been able to get that first down quite easily. But um, – if he can start taking some of those, but he gives us so much more, um, you know, than, than just calling out a few misses here and there, obviously human being and human error is just common. You're not going to be perfect through any game. So um, in this one, he was, he was all um, the bills could ask once uh, get down to got down to crunch time. And and once the bills tied it up with that uh, punt return, um, Allen kind of clicked it in and, and was lights out. Let's talk about the crunch time, right? And I also thought for a guy that maybe I thought Allen had a really good game, right? But he also struggled with turnovers. He completed 78 to 79% of his passes, right? Like he still had a great mark 30 for 38, 359 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, a QBR of 72.1, and a passer rating of 101.6. Crunch time, Lance. Josh Allen, when the game is on the line, third and 13. And obviously, I know, I know, I know Miami got the ball back. But they would have got the ball back with a lot more time if Josh Allen does not get that first down, which is a huge run. I also thought number four, I don't know who it was. I probably should go back. On That's your guy, Peter Cool. Yeah, that guy made an absolute freaking business decision. I love you for making a business decision. Do I think he still gets the first down? 100%. If I'm a Miami Dolphins fan and I go back and I watch that, I am throwing something at someone because at that point you do not make a business decision. This isn't a meaningless game. And look, I don't want to come out the guy saying like, you do whatever you want, man. You're the national football league for a reason. I'm not. So do whatever you want. But that was a a bad business decision by him in my opinion, but a good business decision for the bills. But Josh Allen makes a hell of a run third and 13 and stretches it out. And look, obviously they got the ball back to Miami, but with less time with no timeouts, it, it changes the whole kind of yeah. it's kind of one of the, of the differences people will point out between kind of college football and NFL um, where you saw the guy from Washington come in like a missile. And I don't know what if he broke his arm or what, when he tackled the runner, uh, oh, uh, Muhammad, number one, he came yeah. back in the game. Oh, dude, great. Yeah. But, but uh, you know, that guy, those that kind of guys just, you know, they oh, come what? in um, oh. and 
and yeah, he may be just he's kind a, of a different breed too, but, but I just, you know, it's just the difference. Um, some of these guys, and it's not all, I mean, NFL players obviously um, work their asses off and, and, the, and they play their asses off and, and I'm not trying to say that they don't, but, um, but just this, that's a funny uh, thing to have on tape there from Cater Kohu to, to kind of Olay the guy and um, just not sticking. Your nose. I don't think that he would have had a chance whether he wanted to stick his nose in there or not against a six, five, 245 pound quarterback, but um, you know, at least you got to try, I think in this scenario where you're fighting for your playoff uh, seating and, and you're kind of right there. Yeah. He, he made a business decision and Allen made one of the best runs you will see from a quarterback, right? Like he made one of the best runs you will see. And he, he put the team on the back when they needed it. And obviously they got the ball back. Miami does, does get the ball back uh, after that point. Um, Trying to go back exactly what happened. So Josh Allen gets the first down. I'm going to third and 10. Nope. Third and 13. Josh Allen scrambles for 15 yards. Uh, obviously, the Bills got an extra five yards with the, the holding on Jalen Ramsey, just absolutely mm. trying to tackle Stefan Diggs. No, no idea why. Uh, and then obviously, the Bills lose a yard on the Fournette. Timeout by final timeout by Amy. So you force him to use another timeout. And then obviously, Josh Allen ran for one yard, which people criticized what they were doing. I kind of got what they did there. They rolled Allen out, and they wanted to yep. see if it was either. And that's where he kind of went out of bounds, but they didn't call it, and he kind of slipped down. Let's not and, talk about uh, that. But when either Kincaid or Knox went open, and if they had him open, that's the game. The game's over, right? Mm-hmm. And they covered it well, so credit to Miami there. And then Josh Allen passed for nine yards, which they – Sean McDermott and Joe Brady have – will always put the ball in Josh Allen's hands there. Most teams mm-hmm. run the ball, and sometimes I like to run the ball. They'll put the ball in Josh Allen's hands. He goes over the middle for nine yards to Shakir, makes it right to the sticks, two-minute warning, and then you have the final play of the game that would have won the Bills for the – would have won would have won the game without getting the defense back on the field. Josh Allen was the, was the right call. I thought it was – I would have went for it. They went for it. You said they would yeah. go for it. They didn't it's, get it. That's a 37-yard line, so it's a 54-yard field goal You there. don't kick the field goal. Um, it's what it's they not, block it and you miss it. A 54-yard field goal is not enough to say uh, go and, and kick no. that. And I think you you have to absolutely go um, for the jugular there and, and kind of put the nail in the coffin, and that's what – I mean, you got Josh Allen on a, on a one-yard – you need one yard. Um, I thought he went too high it's, as it's, well. Let's go for it every time. And, yeah, just, you know, not – the greatest of execution on the play, trying to, you know, get air. Anytime you get airborne, um, you lose your leverage and you're going to get pushed back. Um, it's just physics. So um, he needs to I, get I don't lower. like that, but yeah. Yeah. So he needs to get lower as well. And I thought the spot was right. I did think they blew the whistle a little early and didn't mm-hmm. allow for the pushing that they usually do. If you're an Eagles fan, you know, the pushing that they usually do, but and then the defense goes, makes, goes, uh, makes a play. So, Lance, final question on the Miami game. We didn't really answer it. Do you think the offense figured it out? Yeah, I think they had a hell of a game overall. Like I said, they they were down in Miami's territory all night, uh, almost every drive. And so when you only have one or two drives where you're going three and out or four or five plays um, and punting, I think they had two of those drives. Uh, that's a good night. I think the the, the offense moved the ball. Um mostly at will uh, definitely were a- they were able to get the ball kind of, they played the Philadelphia Eagle style where they're just like, get me to a third and one or get me to a fourth and one. And as long as I'm, you know, one yard to go, I'm going for it and you can't stop me. And that's kind of the way they played. And that was hugely successful for them. 
Yeah, I think for the most part they figured it out, right? Like you, I what you said is correct. They moved the ball really well. They weren't really stopped on a lot of three and outs. They got to obviously clean up the turnovers, right? Because mm-hmm. we're going to get to the Pittsburgh Steelers game in a second. When you play the Steelers, a team that is lesser than the Miami Dolphins, that is lesser than you, you don't want to keep them in the game like they did against the Chargers. Because yep. the longer you keep teams in games, or longer you te- keep teams in games, the worse it becomes. And obviously the, the room for error becomes uh, slimmer. So if they move the ball like they did again in Pittsburgh or against Pittsburgh, or what they move the ball again like they did against Miami when they face Pittsburgh on Sunday, and if they limit the turnovers, they'll put up 30 plus points. So they could they should have Lance put up 35 points in this game or 31 points in this game. They should have been into the 30s, but they weren't. And that's the beauty of the game. Miami made some nice defensive plays, uh schemed, I thought particularly pretty well. I thought Miami's defense probably deserves a shout out with all with Van Ginkle going down, with Jerome Baker going down, Xavier sure. Howard not playing. Injuries in the safety. No Jalen Phillips. Uh, yeah, the no, guy gets hurt in, in warm-ups, Chubb. and then he comes back and, and ends up getting an interception on that second. Yeah, I, I thought Miami's Elliott, defense so. played really well. If you're a Miami fan, I know you have an insanely tough matchup going into Kansas City with the temperature you have on Saturday night. But if you're going to look at one positive, I think your defense showed up. And obviously, for Miami's sake, they're gonna defense has to show up again. Uh, and obviously, I think we are Miami Dolphins fans this weekend. Just to to put it out there. We are Lance technically Miami Dolphins fans this weekend. Would you agree? Are we? No. Why not? Wouldn't um you want to ra- play wait, wait. Cleveland would you rather- and Buffalo rather than Kansas City? I don't. Um, wait, no. Wait, what? Say it again? Because you're you're if Miami wins, you're playing winner of Cleveland Houston in Buffalo the next week, right? Would you rather that or Kansas City? I want Kansas City, man. Call no, me crazy. No. I know the, the the way Kansas City's not I know I take I know they had it's one game and you don't want to take that with Mahomes and Kelsey, but give it to me, man. Lance, I love you, man. I usually agree. I I I think I totally (laughs) disagree because obviously so what we're talking about here, the Bills beat the Steelers, right? It all obviously hinders on the Bills being the Steelers. But the Bills beat the Steelers and Miami upsets Kansas City and Kansas City. Uh Baltimore, the one seed, will get the lowest remaining seed Hmm. or the highest remaining seed. The The Browns defense is really good though. I'm just saying. So it would be Baltimore-Miami, which would be another fun matchup. We already saw. And the Bills, they won, would get the winner of Houston and Cleveland. I'm taking Joe Flacco or a rookie quarterback going into Buffalo and beating us. If it's I'm Houston, taking... give me Houston. But if it's Cleveland, mm-hmm. no thanks. You would rather so you would rather Kansas City than Cleveland? Yeah. Cleveland's defense is legit. No, they're, they're really good. good. I'm with you. Um, and then the Cleveland. ground and pound, you know, the ground and pound that the Browns would play um in a probably a cold game you don't know what the weather situation might so you, be so i just think that the the matchup is just better you would um, take houston though over yeah, kansas city if it's, if it's houston over kansas city i don't think houston that. so okay fine i actually i'm picking houston to win this weekend actually so that's where i'm kind of no, going with i think I'm houston not. i i look i think everyone it's one of those games i think everyone's on the browns you know like everyone picks a couple teams to i know the browns are favorite but a lower seed to win I, everyone's on the Browns. I'm Are you coming up, Matt? Are you He's coming up if KC comes to Buffalo? Come on up, buddy. Got a nice warm room for you, buddy. Um, so yeah, uh, I for me, I just think that uh, I, I get what you're saying, but give me, give me. So you, so you said earlier that you uh, you recorded a little something. Do you want to tell us uh, who you got for for your playoff scenarios in the AFC at least? Oh, 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 oh! Because I recorded something before. Yeah. Oh, the, the my winners for the weekend. Right. I got. Uh, we'll get to the Bills, but I have the I have the Bills winning. I'll get to my score prediction later in the show. But I got I got Kansas City winning. I think 
my rationale behind Kansas City beating Miami, I think Miami is just derailed at this point. I think they're drained. You blow a couple game lead in the division. I don't think you're anywhere near the team you were in the beginning of the year. And I think with the temperature they're talking about, like 10 degrees getting into the negatives uh, in Kansas City, I think it's a tough game. I think Miami's just wrong direction. And then I took Houston. I took Houston over Cleveland, right? Like, I think Joe Flacco's brilliance has been overstated just based off just the pure public hyping him up a little. And I think he has been very good for Joe Flacco at this point of his career. But my rationale is like, there's always a couple games that everyone's on, right? Like the national public's on Not I know Cleveland's favorite, but like a lot of people on the Rams this weekend, a lot of people on Cleveland and they are slightly favorite, but a lower seed and on the road, <clears throat> I think, I don't know. I think Houston has a little, a little spunk to them. And I think CJ Stroud makes some plays. I think it's indoor, and if, if Houston can stop the run, I think Houston's defense is pretty good. I think if Houston can stop the run, I think you kind of take Joe Flacco out of his game. But the Browns are playing some really good football with some really good weapons in David Njoku and Amari Cooper. So I would say that game's more of a coin flip, while, while I think the Bills and Kansas City, more of a game is more one-sided, just, yeah. just in my opinion. Okay. Yeah, I don't think Houston has enough to get by Cleveland. Um, and I'm obviously taking KC over Miami, but I uh, – I think <clears throat> I think there'll be good good games on Saturday. So I'm ready for I, I'm ready for all the games. I love this weekend. Obviously, this weekend will get a lot better if the Bills win at one o'clock, and then I can sit and enjoy the Sunday night games. I'm so pumped for Rams Lions. Like I'm so pumped for that game. That's yeah. outside of the Bills game. That is my favorite game. Stafford going to Detroit for a of the weekend. Game. That is what my freaking favorite story. game of the weekend. Yep. My least favorite game of the weekend is Eagles Bucks. I think that, I think that game is going to be boring. I hate that it's on Monday too. It's just dumb. But I think know. it's boring. I think Packers Cowboys could be interesting. I don't know. I think Green Bay has a little, little, little playing with nothing. Those teams that play like Pittsburgh this week, and we're going to talk about it right now. Teams that are playing with nothing to lose, like Pittsburgh, like potentially the Rams, like Green Bay, are very, very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Teams with nothing to lose in the NFL are very dangerous. So I think like Green Bay or LA or even Pittsburgh are some very dangerous teams. I don't think Miami falls into that category because I think Miami has a lot to lose with huge expectations on like Green Bay or even the Rams this year or Pittsburgh, for example. Um, Bills, Steelers, Lance, two versus seven. Did you, you're going to say yes, but I'm going to, because I'm going to go smack you. Did you think we would be hosting as a two seed at this point? If you say yes, I mean, no, I, 100% though. I mean, I just through I didn't know. I mean, obviously, but I'm I'm an eternal optimist. I'm always thinking about the, you are the Bills and I very much thought that this was always going to be um obviously when you you know you're sitting there at 6 and 6, you're having your doubts and it's just man, give me a wild card spot. But um you know, as it played out, uh definitely, you know, once we had the situation set up with Miami, it's like, yeah, obviously, you know, I had all confidence in the world in, yeah. in doing that. But um, leading up to that, it was very tough to say, yeah, we're going to be, a two, you know, didn't think we would make the two seed. Thought if we won the division at all, it would be, you know, three or four. So, yeah, I did yeah. definitely. But that was more, um, more, I guess, of a credit to what I thought maybe um, some of the other teams might like be. And just, you know, it kind of, they kind <laughs> of all folded at the end, you know, and uh, Jacksonville, weird. Miami both folded. Uh, but no, I agree, Lance. When in before this week, I was I, if you told me we were the seven or the six, I would have been like, sign me up. We're good. Let's run it. We'll see what happens. We are six and six. We'll be we'll take a playoff spot and we'll we'll move on and we'll get ready for the playoffs. Going when it got to this week, I would I was very mad if we didn't get a two seed mm-hmm. because 
how the scenarios wind up. And then obviously the Titans helped us on Sunday. So we weren't a winning go home, but I still wanted a two seed. So let's talk Bills Steelers. So the Steelers sneak in at seven. They needed over the weekend to beat Baltimore on Saturday night or Saturday afternoon. They beat Baltimore. Baltimore was resting all their starters. So that game you mm. can probably chalk up as uh you can't really take that as much. But then Pittsburgh and Sunday needed either one of the two things to happen. They needed the said Buffalo Bills to lose or the Tennessee or the Jacksonville Jaguars to lose. Jaguars lose. The Steelers get a playoff spot along with the Bills. Steelers get the seventh seed. They're coming to Buffalo, and they have one major injury that we have to talk about. TJ Watt, who we thought was going to be ruled out, was ruled uh, – that's why I like that little thing. I didn't even know you I'm did an that. electrical engineer, guys. So when uh, you have a guy named Watt, um, oh, which is obviously an electrical unit, um, I was waiting to make this joke all day you to say nerd. that the Steelers will not have their power source on defense in TJ Watt. Can I call so, yeah, I think this – yeah, absolutely, I am. That's fine. Um, <laughs> this defense uh, looks entirely different yeah, without – um, TJ Watt, but um, still, I believe Cam Hayward's still um, there playing in the middle. And that's the yep. one thing um, that you have to look out for. I was going to mention uh, the last few games, the interior offensive line play for the Bills has not been uh, very great. Uh, it's It's been subpar, I think. And uh, this is going to be another big test because the interior of the Pittsburgh's defense is going to, has played pretty well um, without Watt. You miss that, you know, deviant pass rusher that can really wreck the game and, and on the key situations, that closer that TJ Watt is. But um, obviously 19 plus sacks, was, was it 19 sacks in three straight years or was it just 19 sack season? Um, but just, you know, phenomenal player. And without him, obviously their their firepower kind of diminishes a little bit. And um, it'll be easier for the Bills to move the football without TJ Watt on the field, but I still don't think it's going to be um, super easy and they're going to have to work to really uh, to move the ball against this defense. Yeah. TJ Watt not playing. And I mentioned I did from my other podcast. I talked about that. I, they have Minkum Fitzpatrick back there, but they do lose a key pass rush. And over the years, Lance, the Steelers with TJ Watt and without TJ Watt are a night and day team. With T.J. Watt, they're a playoff team. They're a team that can win nine-plus games. Without T.J. Watt, they're a bottom-tier team in the National Football League. It's it's a night-and-day revolution, revelation with the Steelers and what they do with T.J. With Watt without T.J. Watt. And we saw last year, Lance, the Steelers struggled because they didn't have T.J. Watt. He only played a handful of games. He only had five sacks last year because TJ Watt, he didn't play a lot. And the Steelers struggled mightily without TJ Watt. Look, it's a one game. It's not extended period of time, potentially. But for the mm-hmm. Bills' sake, it's not an extended period of time for TJ Watt. But Lance, I think they go from like a B-plus defense, right, to a C-plus defense. Like I think yeah. you eliminate one of their key pass rushers, and it gives one – you brought that stat up, Alan, obviously with the time is – incredible and way better than most elite quarterbacks are so you buy that it's a huge loss i think it's the biggest loss outside of probably josh allen that could happen yeah, on top season. of losing that great pass rusher you have Deion dawkins and spencer brown playing some of their best football yeah. of their careers and so you have the bills tackles who are handling some of Business. the lesser um edges in the league uh with you know obviously 
Miami didn't have a lot of, you know, their star pass rushers. We, you know, we've seen in recent weeks that without great edge rushers, these tackles have been performing very, very well. And so this is going to be no different. I think Dawkins and Spencer Brown have great games on Sunday um, and continue that. Now it's a matter of what is the interior of the offensive line for the Buffalo Bills have uh, to give. And if they perform and they can step up in key moments and Josh Allen doesn't have this uh, fight or flight every play or every other play he drops back, um, you know, we talked about 45 dropbacks, 20 uh, mm-hmm. pressures generated uh, against Miami. That's going to be super important you know, if he can get some comfort there. And also if they can scheme up a little bit of the the shorter passing game, kind of some of the quicker routes and things like that, um, I think they can definitely have a lot of success. And it can get out, out of reach really quickly um, if they're able to do that. But if they're not able to open up run holes and really start running the ball, uh, effectively against this Pittsburgh defense um, might be a longer day than most people want. Yeah, I think this is a type of game, Lance, where the Steelers offensively, I don't know if they have the power to keep up with the Bills, using a little electrical joke, I guess, as well, a little bit, right. with the power with the Bills if the Bills play their A game on offense. right? Like Mason Rudolph, once again, is starting. He's 3-0 as a starter, but it's been more of a game manager type of game like they haven't scored a ton of points under Mason Rudolph like it's just they rely on the run game right it's a two-headed running game with with uh, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren right. they have some nice weapons in George Pickens and Deontay Johnson they don't really use George Pickens and Deontay Johnson consistently right like Lance if if the Bills on defense flip into the defense side of the ball can slow down the running game of Pittsburgh this is going to be a long game for Pittsburgh, in my opinion. Yeah. And that's I where just, I think the defensive line for this Buffalo Bills team is going to be so important. You have, uh, obviously, Daquan Jones, Puna Ford, Tim Settle um, in the middle of that defense, and obviously Ed Oliver, but you know, just saying the beefier guys. Um, and then Greg Rousseau, Shaq Lawson, um, even AJ Epinesa, you know, very good run defenders. And I don't think they're going to necessarily need to get after the the passer this weekend, but if they do need to, um, they're going to have the ability to, I believe with Leonard Floyd, uh, you know, and, and maybe Von Miller did have a pressure this last week. So we'll see how well he, if he's up for this game, um, this is a game where you could, you could definitely see uh, Kingsley Jonathan back in the lineup and, and um, Von Miller, not uh, depending on conditions and things like that. But with, with the Steelers offense, without having, um, you know, uh, starting NFL caliber quarterback, uh, this passing attack is just lackluster. Um, certainly doesn't lack stars. You definitely have Friermuth here, there in the tight end spot uh, with Pickens and, and Johnson on the outside. Definitely love the, the skill players on the on the team. Just um, obviously the signal caller, uh, yeah, and 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 that just isn't you know at the caliber of of you know a Josh Allen, let's say. So I think. Um, Steelers are going to find themselves outmanned this weekend um, on the defense, you know, against this Bills defense, I believe, um, for that reason. I think if Pittsburgh, if you look at the Pittsburgh side of the things, if they want to win this game, they have to run the ball, right? Mm-hmm. Get a consistent run game, milk the clock. But if Pittsburgh they gets have to have in, like 200 plus yards of rushing, yeah, I think. If Pittsburgh gets in situations of where they or in pa- obvious passing downs, Lance, they're going to struggle, right? This Bills pass defense is really, really good. And I know we're waiting 
of Rasul Douglas. But this team, even with Dane Jackson, they were really good against a very good pass offense in Miami. Lance, the Pittsburgh Steelers, according to PFF, are 31st in the National Football League in pass blocking. They do yeah. not do a good job of protecting their quarterback. The only worst team is the New York Giants, who are probably one of the worst offensive linemen, offensive line I've seen in a long time in watching football. Steelers are in obvious passing downs. I've struggled. How they beat Baltimore was not through the air. They were their ability to run the ball of Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. If well, Najee Harris has also had, he's come along lately, but had a very up and down year for the Steelers. I think if the Bills can slow the run game down and make Mason Rudolph into a pocket passer, it becomes a very long day for Pittsburgh. But I do think Pittsburgh should be able to run the ball a little. And I do think the Bills like to play down a competition. So this this game might be a little closer than I think people expect. But Lance, it also might feel like one of those games where the Bills are never going to lose the game. Mm-hmm. But when you and I talk about it Tuesday night, or when we go look at the final score at the end of the game, you're like, oh, that was the final score? It felt like we won by double that, right? Like, it might be that type of game. I don't know if Mason Rudolph can make enough plays, but if the Bills, and if you flip to the Bills offense, if the Bills take what the defense gives you, kind of don't force it if you're Josh Allen, kind of just run the ball well, all that kind of stuff, do your thing. You don't have to be 40 points in this game. Like, 24 points probably wins this game, in my opinion. You know what I mean? 21 points like last week wins this game. You don't have to go 30-plus points. And one final thing before we conclude with – I'll get your final thoughts on the game. I said in my podcast, in my other podcast, if the Bills start fast on offense, go up seven, go up 10-0, go up 14-0, get a touchdown to field goal, two touchdowns, the game's over. I don't know if Pittsburgh can come back from that early on, right? But Pittsburgh gets a couple stops. Bills turn the ball over. You keep them in the game. But if the Bills can kind of punch them in the mouth early – I think this game can kind of get flipped on its head. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, my final thoughts um, on on what this game uh, is going to need to be and kind of keys to success, keys to success are going to be, you know, starting, like you said, starting fast. Uh, go score, uh, you know, one, you know, two or three times in your first few possessions here. For, certainly, you know, your first offensive possession, I think they got to go score. Um, they got to start on offense with with a touchdown and and just get points on the board. Once your defense is playing with a lead, it's obviously been proven to be elite, um, and it's kept them in so many games where they had no business even hanging around, and then they end up figuring it out with a punt return or something crazy. So I just think you know with this defense playing as well as it is, uh, maybe give them a little bit of a break for a change, go out there and score early and try to let them play with a lead and kind of alleviate um, maybe some of the heavy lifting that they've been doing and save that for the divisional round. Yeah, let the defense kind of eat, let the defense kind of pin their ears back, and if they can just pin their ears back and just go after Mason Rudolph and obvious passing downs, I think the Bills are going to be fine in this game. Okay, favorite part of the show, and score predictions. My dad texted me. He always texts me his score prediction. He has Bills 24 Steelers 14. He has the Bills winning by 10. As of Tuesday night, if you guys are listening to this later in the week or on audio, whatever tomorrow, Tuesday night, the Bills are right now 10 point favorites over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's get a couple comments in here. Guys, down below, drop your comments. What do we got for the score predictions? And then we'll obviously give you ours and then we'll say goodnight to everyone. Robbie's coming in. What's up, Robbie? Bills 27, Steelers 16. Matt Homan, member of the Bill Buffalo crew. Bills, 17. Steelers, 14. Matt, you want me to have a heart attack, man? 
Jesus. Jesus, man. Okay. Okay. If you guys want to drop your score predictions before we get out of here, uh, go for it. If not, all good. But Lance, I am going to st- – oh, do we have another score prediction here? Joseph's coming in. Joseph, I got you, man. I think he's going Bills. I'm going to just assume he's going the Bills because he's watching the show. Bills, 31. Steelers, 21. Um, Lance, before any more comments come in, favorite part of the show, what do we? What what do you got for your score prediction this weekend, man? Yeah, I'm going to go 37-13 to 13, Buffalo Bills victory. Uh, I wanted to pick him to score less points, but I just can't do it. Uh, I'm going to keep going, uh, giving the offense the benefit of the doubt that they're going to figure it out and hit on some plays. So 37-13, I think Steelers score a touchdown and two field goals, and the Bills um, do a lot more than that. So Nice. Dave's coming in 35-9 to at Bills. A little wonky score That's there. My kind of score prediction right there. It is your kind of score. Your 38 to 9 or 38 to 13 score predictions. You have to drop 37, on. 13. Yep. Yeah, that's what you like. I know, but in past you have dropped. Oh, yeah. Uh, past, uh, past, yep. past ones. Um. Okay. So for my Bills versus, oh, no. Ooh, what do we got? Black Panthers coming in. Bills 38, Steelers 17. 19 what a that would be something 1912 Brian's coming in what does Brian got 44 to 3 so we got all schmacking over the Pittsburgh Steelers okay before anyone I see that truck in his picture I saw a uh, a nice semi with a Bills paint scheme I wonder if that's yours Brian that's awesome if you had that at the hammer lot ever uh, I saw that it was pretty cool I, I like I like his score more than I like his truck. 44 and 13 <laughs> bills. Okay. So for my Bills versus Steelers wild card predictions, I got Bills 24, Steelers 13. Yeah, I think Lance, I think it's gonna be a closer game than I think people expect. I still think they cover the the, the current spread, which is 10, obviously winning uh by eleven. I think I like, you know, I kind of maybe foreshadowed this about five, ten minutes ago when I said it might end up being like the Bills dominated the game, but when we look back at the score, it is closer than I think we expected. But I do think the Bills control this game. I'm gonna I, say going into the show, I was planning on saying 23 uh, to 12, but as I just got into the moment with the score yeah. prediction, I just um, I can't do it. I gotta go 37-13. Yeah, give the Bills offense. More of the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Um, well, so I, I almost think it. Lance, I almost changed it. I had in my head 24 13 before the show, right? And I almost went to 27 13, which which I think would be a comfortable win. It's a hard to win by double digits in the National Football League. It's not as easy as people want to make it out to be. So I think 24 13, I think the Bills win it. But I do think it feels like when Lance and I were breaking it down on Tuesday night, they felt like they kind of dominated the game. But Maybe a miscue here or there, which we probably have to expect at this point, leads to maybe a closer game than we think. I don't know if Pittsburgh can score more. Like, I think that's why I said earlier, Lance. I also foreshadowed earlier. I think if the Bills get into the 20s, they win this game no matter what. Anything else you got to say, man, before we uh, say goodnight? I know we went a little overtime, but we wanted yeah, to. I guess uh, so much know, to talk about. I'll, I'll say a little bit of, of the spread love energy out there because man, you know, somebody lost their life this past mm-hmm. weekend over a football game and, and it's just pointless. I know that uh, it's all a great time getting out there and, and uh, you know, getting inebriated and, and getting senseless sometimes, mm-hmm. but, but man, uh, not worth, 
uh, losing a life over. So, uh, you know, just uh, love thy neighbor kind of thing. And, and, you know, just really try to keep things in perspective. Um, it, mm-hmm. It's a football game. So uh, that's that. And then outside of that, um, go out, check out builtinbuffalonews.com. Check out our awesome writers writing articles throughout the week. Um, and then check out uh, Built in Buffalo uh, store.com. Also some cool merch there. Air, Air Allen shirt that uh, Jarrett Bailey was wearing uh, last game. So that's pretty cool. That was awesome. Um, that. Pretty cool design. And then Built in Buffalo uh, logo shirts and stuff like that. If you guys like it, uh, go out there and check that out. And uh, please go over to our YouTube page if you get a chance. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, growing that. And, um, you know, like and follow and share all of our Built in Buffalo content. Uh, coming up this week, we got a great lineup. Obviously, tomorrow with Going Deep, Kevin and Kevin do a great job out there. Uh, double dip on Thursday, uh, triple dip, really. You got tea uh, Thursday afternoon, and then in the evening, you got uh, the Buffalo Basement and then Witty Not Funny. Friday's Bill's Chat, and Saturday with um, Off the Edge, and Ben Shoop does a great job over there. And then Sunday will be around for pre and post game as usual. So, uh, make sure you check out all the great uh, all the great um, content creators here on the Built in Buffalo Network. We really appreciate it. And touching on what you said a couple minutes ago about the the death in uh, in Miami, yeah, I agree. Like going to a football game is great and it's exciting. Lance goes to a ton. I went to a couple of this year. It's fun. It's exciting. Um, it's it's always it's always a great time. But at the end of the game, at the end of the day, one, it's a game, and two, it's never worth getting into. A com a, a conf- what was I gonna say into an oh, argument. Uh, yes, yeah, thank confrontation. you. Confrontation. Yeah. Thank you. Lost my train of thought. Into an argument or a confrontation with someone. So at the end of the game, it's a football game, and it's never worth a life. And obviously, everyone, most people should know that, but not everyone does. Uh, that's why we have tragedies. Um, Wayne's coming in, Lance. You might be able to ask this question better than I could. I don't understand why I don't get notifications with you guys. Well, Wayne, I don't know, man. You got not true either. Go to Facebook, go to the Bill and Buffalo, and just find notifications. I, I I don't know, but every frost, every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Write it down in the calendar, Wayne, because I want to see you next Tuesday at 8 p.m. in this comment section. Lance, I know Lance wants to as well. So come back next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Okay, guys, before my power goes out and I just go bye-bye, let's I want to wrap this show up. Uh as always, we appreciate like like Lance said, we appreciate. Everyone, one that enjoyed that joined us every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. for the regular season. Hopefully, obviously, we'll be joining you guys every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Hopefully, we're going to continue to be able to talk about actual football and not the off season for the next couple of weeks. But we appreciate everyone that joined us throughout the regular season and made this show an absolute blast for both Lance and I. But that is going to do it for tonight's episode. A little longer. If you're on Facebook, if you're on YouTube. Subscribe, follow all that stuff. If you missed this episode, if you're on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, hit the rewind button, scroll it back, rewatch it, re-listen to us, and hopefully you guys enjoyed that. And if you did miss this episode and you prefer the audio platform, it will come out tomorrow morning on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your audio. Just type in Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. You guys don't want to miss it. Like Lance said, all the great shows that are coming out coming up tomorrow and later in the week. Don't want to miss that. And you guys don't want to miss us next Tuesday at 8 PM. We will be breaking down bills versus Steelers and hopefully getting you guys ready for the bills divisional round matchup in Buffalo. That is going to do it for us. He was Lance 
and I was Peter, and this was the Buffalo Blitz right here on the Built on Buffalo Network. Hopefully, everyone enjoys Wild Card Weekend, and hopefully, everyone enjoys Bills versus Steelers on Sunday. And as always, go Bills. Go Bills, baby. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.